Recording in progress. Father Lord, we come before you right now, humble and broken before you, Lord, knowing that you're perfectly holy and we're always anxiously and diligently pursuing that holiness. Oh, that we might be able to be consistent in our focus, my God, consistent in our desire to serve, consistent in our obedience, consistent in our submission, my God, we pray right now and we plead the blood of Jesus over every aspect of our life that has not yet been fully glorified, my God. We ask that you continue to move us from glory to glory, from lower glory to higher glory, to an ever-increasing glory until we enter into the full glory, which is Christ Jesus. We pray for expansion, my God, that you might bless us and enlarge our territory that your hand might be on us and that you might keep us from harm so that we will be free from pain and be free from causing pain to others. My God, we pray, my God, that you sanctify this moment, that you sanctify this place we're in right now. I pray that you speak in the prophetic realm to each and every soul here, ministering a discipleship word that transforms us, that moves us from one place of glory to the next place of glory. May we seek first your kingdom and its righteousness, my God, and its righteousness, that our pursuit of your kingdom would not just be an increase in numbers or an increase in Christian practices or an increase in sacramental behaviors, but may we show an increase in character. May we show an increase in submission and obedience. May we show an increase in love. May we show an increase in power and confidence in the expansion and the future of your kingdom. Father God, I pray right now that every soul here today be able to let go of the past, every limiting belief, every spirit of doubt, every worry, every concern. We're searching. We're, we're chasers after you, my God. We're chasing you, my God. We, we know that you sent your son to save us. We are receiving the blood of Jesus as our salvation. We're cross-focused and kingdom-centered, my God. We're kingdom-centered and cross-focused, my God. And so wherever we fail, my God, to be completely submitted in those areas, my God, we plead the blood and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit that we might be edified and educated, transformed into another likeness. We will no longer spend our time going around this mountain, but we shall go north, my God. We shall go north. We've spent enough time stuck in these places, stuck in these situations, stuck in these processes, my God. We now are ready to go forth, and we're praying for your anointing and your Holy Spirit to take us there. We're praying for your glory and your majesty to take us there. We're praying for expansion. We're praying for enlargement. We're praying for atonement. We're praying for the glory of your Son, Jesus Christ, to be realized in our life. And we will continue to chase you and nothing will stop us. We will continue to pursue you and nothing will stop us. We will continue to grow in you and nothing will stop us. And we will continue to ascend in you and nothing will stop us. We're tenacious, we're courageous, we're committed, and we are sold out to the purpose of your son, Jesus Christ. That the lamb that must slain can receive all that he suffered for, my God. May he receive the full reward for his suffrage. And so, Father God, we deny all limiting beliefs right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, I'm praying right now for the glory of God to enter into your life. I'm praying um, there's, a, there's a limiting belief system operating in every single one of our lives. We want to shut it down right now. There's something God is saying you can do that you're saying, I'm not sure I can do. Never put a question mark where God has placed a period. And definitely never put a question mark where God has put an exclamation point. And so we don't question the will and the nature of God. We just obey. We don't need to completely understand. We trust the person who's speaking to us. I'm speaking concerning the Lord and the Holy Spirit in your life. Hearing the voice of God, I trust the voice of God. And I hear, hearken unto it. I don't put a question mark behind statements that God is making. And I pray, Father God, that this moves in each and every heart here. And I pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. And the body of Christ says, can we get an amen in the house of God? Amen. Amen. amen.
Amen. And so God has commissioned me to move you forward. Now, when I say God has commissioned me, I can't move you forward if God didn't commission me. So when I say God has commissioned me, it's not me that's moving you forward. It's God that's moving you forward. God is taking you from one glory to the next glory. And he's been addressing those stuck places, those places where you don't seem to ascend, those places that have been associated with your name. Well, come on now. Now we're talking that, you know, those places that you know are you, and so they're associated with your name, this me, that's how I roll. Am I talking about the positive things? That's good. God's got you there. We don't need to address that. We just need to continue to be obedient. We need to talk about them places, those stuck places, those character flaws that we have that we have not yet addressed, and we're still addressing, right? And we're trying to address them, but they don't seem to get addressed completely. Because for us to be God changers, we must be pursuing purity of holiness. We're, we're seeking to be perfectly holy. When we say, you're going to make it, you're going to ascend, you're going to expand. When we pray, enlarge our borders, by definition, we're asking for greater holiness. Jabez, who prayed that prayer, the Bible says he was more honorable than his brothers. See, his character caused God to hear his voice. And at every level of glory, we're going to use this word relative. We're not talking about a family member now. We're talking about th things. Things are relative to one another. You are not the same as you were last year, relatively, right? Whether it's in physical age or spiritual wisdom, and we hope in both, you have matured onward and you're growing. And so relative to yesterday, you are more anointed today. Relative to yesterday, you're more holy today. And relative to tomorrow, you're chasing God for a greater level of holiness. Stuck places are always places where you're not letting God in. You know, they say that word ego is edging God out, edging God out, ego. And so we have to come to a place in the spirit realm where we're willing to yield. You see, yield. Do you know that word yield? It, it, the drivers, all you drivers out there, right? You know what that word yield means. It doesn't mean stop, right? doesn't mean stop. It means yield. It means pay attention to this crosswalk. Pay attention. And if a situation presents itself where you're not supposed to advance into the crosswalk because it's not it's not safe driving, then you are to yield. you got to know when to yield your spirit. There's a point where God and you are in community and you're advancing. You're advancing, you're moving, you're moving forward. You're moving forward in glory and you know it, you can feel it, you can sense it. But then there is that time where God's like, your spirit is not right, I need you to yield. Yield. See, sometimes we have a problem yielding, yielding. And we always need to be yielded to the direction of the Holy Spirit. Now, when we're using this term, we're using it in very relative terms. When I said we're going to use that word relative, right? So we're going to use it in relative terms. So this is a relative term. When you're in alignment with God, you don't need to yield. You need to advance. But when you're struggling in your alignment, then you need to know how to yield. And you have to be broken enough to see when you're struggling and knowing when you need to yield. And then you've got to be still in the spirit realm Stand still in the anointing, seek God's face in the supernatural, get an alignment, get a word to advance. We need to learn how to not move except behind God's word. We don't ever move in front of God's word. We need to move. We need to move behind God's word. Well, God is teaching us something here. He's teaching us about how to grow. Now, in the areas in which you're growing, you don't need to learn how to grow. It's in the areas where you're not growing that you need to learn how to grow. And it doesn't matter how many times you failed today or how many times you failed yesterday or even how many times you're going to fail tomorrow. It always matters about your heart posture. Are you yielded? Are you broken and contrite and yielded so that God can speak into your life and make adjustments? Wherever you're stuck, you're blocking God. Wherever you're stuck. Now, sometimes you're in a process. I'm not going to shoot that down. There are times when you're in a process. You're not stuck. You're in process. Honestly, you're always in process even when you're stuck because God is faithful, right? 
I'm talking to you who have God's Holy Spirit and you who have been pursuing him spiritually, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There are those places where God is working on us in a process in which we're in like a half rebellion, half obedience kind of thing, and we're waiting on God and God's waiting on us and we're a little confused about who's waiting on who and God has got us in this process and it may not look like much is happening, but you get a sense that God is weighing on your soul and then finally it breaks. Finally, God gives you the revelation and you yield and then you're advanced to the next place. But well, we need to become accelerated learners. If we're going to be the glory that God calls us to be, we need to go from being slow to learn to quick to learn. We need to be people who learn faster and faster and faster. Like, uh, okay, I've been through this. Now I understand. Now the next time God tries to work with me like this, I'm going to yield. We're going to yield our will to his will. We're going to yield our consciousness to his consciousness. Now, you know, when you're younger, we say, well, that doesn't always feel good, but we're moving onward to maturity. It ain't about how we feel. It's about knowing who our father is and knowing that all things work out to the glory of those who love him. If you love him, no matter what's going on in your life, it'll work out to his glory. You just got to make sure you're in alignment and obedience. And the only way you can do that is if you're broken, contrite, and yielded. And so in that yielding and in that brokenness, God is then able to advance in your spirit. And, and you've got to become, you got to walk in that expectation. Like, I'm not going to expect anything other than the glory. There's no bad days. There's just days I haven't operated in the fullness of alignment to know how to rejoice. Because in the secret place, nothing in the natural realm has any impact on you whatsoever in the secret. Let us go let us go to the secret place, the place where we're already in victory with God in the spirit. We're already with him in heaven. He's the God of infinite foreknowledge. We're already there with the Lord. So open up your Bibles if you have them. And we're going to start in John chapter 6. And we're going to read this word here in John 6. And I want you to start to read this word like you're there. I don't want you to read this word like you're reading a word about something that happened to somebody else i want you to read the word like you're physically there you're on deck you're on you're in this space you're in this text and identify where you are in this text and how you're hearing god talk directly to you now we're in john 6 chapter 25 and jesus had fed some people bread and he'd moved on to another side of the lake and the other people had followed him to the other side of the lake but their hearts were not postured right and so this is what happened. We're in John chapter 6, we're on the 25th verse. I'm reading from the New International Version, 1984. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, where did, when did you get here? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give you, on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Now let's stop right there. They asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? But Jesus is not listening to their words. He's listening to their heart posture. And he already knows in their heart posture that they just want to eat some food. He fed them and they went, wow, man, this guy can feed us, man. And it's got to be the best fish ever, right? If Jesus miraculously made it, then it's got to be the best fish ever. You know, the, that's got to be the best bread they ever put their hands on. I mean, Jesus doesn't do anything wrong. So everything he did was right. And that had to be some really good bread and fish he gave them the day before. That they don't got into boats and traveled all the way to the other side of the lake. But Jesus is looking at their heart posture and he says, listen. Forget about when did I get here. Let me tell you something. You're looking for me, but for the wrong reason. Mm. So you're looking for me, but your heart is not pure. You didn't see the miracles and know that I am the son of God and now come to dine on the words from out of my mouth. You ate the fish and the bread and you ate the loaves and had your fill. And now you're looking for me because you want me to be your cook. Some of us were looking for God because we wanted to feed our ego. Some of us were looking for to God, and we don't even know what we're looking to God for. We're not even centered in our purpose in the kingdom and righteousness. This has to change in order for us to get out of the stuck place. When you, Rabbi, 
and you ask a question and God's like, I'm going to jump over that question. I'm going to talk to you about your heart posture for out of a mouth of a man is the wellspring of his heart. And the heart is the very soul and life of a man. And out of the wellspring of a man's heart, his mouth shall speak. And so I hear what you're saying by looking at what you're saying and examining your heart posture together. I can identify in the spirit realm that you are not here for righteous reasons. Point number one, you need to be in God for righteous reasons. You can't be in God to save your marriage. You can't be in God to save your children. You can't be in God to just look good to the next one. You can't be in God for any other reason but God, because he's worthy, because he's worthy, because he's God, and he's sovereign. I serve a sovereign God, so I'm in God because he's God. Now, none of us come with the purity of that Listen, none of us come with the purity of that motive. None of us do. We all come with an agenda. An agenda. My agenda was drug addiction. I needed to get off of drug addiction. I wasn't coming to God for God. I was coming to God because I couldn't manage my life. It took years for God to get me to a place where I could understand that he's God, and so I should come to God because he's God. He's my father. This is a family, and I'm in the family. I'm born of him, and so therefore, the drug addiction is just a symptom of a other kind of a problem, the problem that I was not born in the spirit, but born in the natural. Upon understanding that, God anointed me, baptized me in the spirit, and made me an apostle to the nations. But first, he had to deal with the man who only wanted the fishes and the loaves. What is your story? Think about it. I want you to, because we're going to get you past the stuck place. We're going to get you past all those negative character points that are so close to you that they're associated with you by name. You were associate when you when you hear your name, you know who you're responding. You know why you're responding. I hope you can understand. This. It's a deep prophetic word. There are some things that are so close to you, your name is associated with. You ever heard a joke where somebody say, "Oh man, this guy's the poster child for some particular subject or whatever." He said, "Or they'll say, oh, well, look up the word uh, uh, rude in the Bible. Your, your picture's there.' In other words, what they're saying is the definition of this." This, the definition of this flaw is has a definition, but you're so synonymous with the definition that when you look up that definition, your picture should be there. That's why you're in the stuck place. <laughs> because you've not seen it as just a character trait that Christ can transform you out of. You've associated it with your name. You've associated it with your person. You've made you synonymous with the flaw. And we're going to break that today. In the mighty name of Jesus, we're going to shut that all down. I tell you the truth. You are looking for me, but not because I'm the son of God. Now, we're going to come back to that word relative. This is a relative term. Because see, at the previous level of glory, glory to God, you've been sanctified. You've been purified. You've been made holy. At the previous level of glory, you good. At the previous level of glory, you're right where you need to be. At the previous level of glory, you're in alignment. But relatively speaking, there's another level of glory in which I got to shake you free of being about the fishes and the loaves and understand that I am the bread of life. Not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Now, then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God require? Now, Christ already, like I said, he already knew a heart posture, so he's not even answering that question either. He's asking the heart posture question. He's asking the motive behind the question. Because these people are still only interested in fishes and loaves. So Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Now that's a mouthful. Do you believe in Jesus past the job you have, past the problems in your marriage, past the struggles with your children? Do you believe in the one he has sent in the midst of issues, struggles, problems, worries, concern? Do you believe or do you doubt? See, because that's where you can say, well, I have a 
measure of belief. You see, Peter had a measure of belief before he got out of that boat to walk on the water. He had a measure of belief. If it is you, Lord, tell me to come to you. Come on. And it says Peter got out of the boat and started to walk on the water. See, that was the measure of his belief in the one God have sent. But when he saw the waves, when he saw a problem, his measure of belief started to become doubt. And when that measure of belief started to become doubt, guess what happened? He started to sink. Lord, help me, save me. And Jesus had to reach his hand out and pull it up. Relatively speaking, that's you. At every level of glory, if it's you, Lord, tell me to get out the boat and walk to you in the water. Sure, come on. You get out the boat and you start walking till a problem come along. And see, at every level of glory, you ain't prepared to walk on water. That's relatively speaking. Because see, you've already walked on water at the previous level of glory. So don't get too complacent. Don't get comfortable because there's another level of glory you're not yet ready to get out the boat for that you need to get ready. You know, that's one of T.G. Jake's, right, favorite lines. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. At every level, you got to get ready. You already got ready, and you already did the past level. That's good. Keep doing that. Now let's move onward to maturity. Let's press on to the glory. Let's press on to the ever-increasing glory until the full glory of Christ. I want the best wine. Not some wine. The best wine. The best wine yesterday relatively speaking, is the old wine for today. And so today we need the new wine, which is going to be the new best wine. We're not going to drink the old wine and say the old wine is good. We don't need the new wine. Anyone totally committed to the old wine will not drink the new wine, for they say the old wine is good. But Jesus came to bring a new wine. And relatively speaking, and like that word relative, relatively, that's your word today, relatively speaking. See, because where are you comfortable? Where, where are you comfortable? Some of you, you're comfortable at $50 an hour. Some of you, you're comfortable at $20 an hour. Some of you comfortable at $15 an hour. Some of you comfortable at $12 an hour. Some of you ain't comfortable until $100 an hour. I ain't comfortable with nothing an hour that God didn't say was what I should be getting an hour today. I don't care what I made yesterday. That was yesterday. If today God says, I need you to take $10 an hour, I'm going to take it because I'm seeking the righteousness of the kingdom. If today God said take $100 an hour, I'm not settling for $80 an hour because it's over $10 an hour because it's still out of alignment with where God's taking me because relatively speaking, the standards change as I go from glory to glory. Where are you getting comfortable in your standards? Maybe that's why you stuck. Because your standards have now gotten, you, I strived and I strived and I'm tired of striving. This is enough. This is enough for me. I don't have to press on any further. Jesus had it all. Jesus was it all. Jesus was the full glory of God. The sky opened up and he said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. The Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. I'm not done till that happens. You said, well, that's pretty arrogant. No, it isn't. That's what Jesus told me. You are my disciple. So what is he teaching me? He's teaching me to be just like him. If I carry myself just like him, then I should expect his reward. I mean, ain't I part of his wife? Don't the wife share in the blessing of the husband? What woman marries a man and then doesn't see herself at the same economic status of that man? What woman marries a man and doesn't see herself at the same social status of that man? What woman marries a man and doesn't expect to be at the same uh, moral, cultural, political, powerful status of her husband? What woman marries a man and doesn't take pride in the glory of the majesty and the rank of her husband? And so if we are the bride of Christ, it is not arrogant for me to say I'm going onward into glory to an ever-increasing glory until the until, until, that word is a powerful word, until. See, some of us, we're done. We, there's no more until. We, we, we're good. I'm good right here. Right here, I'm good. You Jesus? No. Then you can't be good. Until you're Jesus, you're not good. See, that's what I'm saying. We're going to go onward to an ever-increasing glory. You know, when you stay still, you get stale. Listen to this. I'm not talking about physical motion now. 
When you stay still, you get stale. Life is always moving. One thing all dead people have in common, they don't move. You say, that's a simple, that's an oversimplification. No, it isn't. It's funny, they interviewed an 89-year-old lady. They asked her, what was her secret to vibrance? Because she was 89 and she was moving like she was 59. He said, what is your secret to vibrance at such an age? He said, I always keep moving. I always keep it moving. I keep it moving. I'm always moving. Now, it could not possibly be that she was always moving because she has to sleep. She has to rest. And she's 89 years old. So what was she? What was that word moving? We're talking now in spiritual terms. You know, words invoke spirits. The words invoke spirits. What did she mean when she said, I'm always moving? She meant, in my mind, I'm always moving. In my heart, it's, a, it's no time to think about that I'm 89 and I shouldn't be able to, or I don't have to, or I already did, or I've done enough, or it's, my time is over. That No, I was always moving. It's something moving and shaking to the best I could be baking. That's it. Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see and believe you? What will you do? Now, our fathers ate the manna from the, in the desert. As it is written, he gave the bread from heaven to eat. Now, these people, you know, these terms, every generation has their terms, right? So some of you from my generation will know this. Some of you are radio and podcasts from other generations. What is he talking about? We used to say something like, he playing the dozen on you. They say playing the dozen. Playing the dozen mean you trying to you 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 trying to play me, yeah. You know you trying to play with me. You you playing games like you ain't you you act like you talking to me, but you're really not talking to me. You are trying to manipulate me. You playing games. You playing the dozen on me. And that's what they were trying to do with Jesus. Cause guess what? They still talking about physical food. <laughs> hey, if you better than Moses, then you know you you give us some. If Moses gave us manna from the sky. What you gonna do? Jesus said, well, hey, I just told you that I'm going to die for you. I'm going to feed my body and my blood to you. I'm going to have you drink in my blood and eat in my flesh so that we can become one. Because you are what you eat, right? They tell you that in the physical realm, right? They tell you that in the diet world, you are what you eat. So in the spirit realm, Jesus is saying, you know it by the foods that you eat. Now I'm going to talk to you about spiritual food. You are what you eat. You know, you see somebody about 75 pounds overweight. I don't know why I'm so overweight. You see him with five slices of pizza, you know, French fries with chili sauce all over it and chili meat and beans and you know, loaded fries. They're drinking a 32-ounce Coca-Cola. <laughs> That's just like pre-lunch, first, second breakfast. And you're with them all day, and they, I don't understand why I'm overweight. And they eating and eating and eating and eating. I don't understand why I can't lose any weight. Say, man, you 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 eating all this food, asking me this crazy question. But spiritually speaking, what are you eating? You eating Jesus every day? You drinking Jesus' blood every day, all day? What you dining on spiritually? Because what you you are what you eat. These people are so caught up in bread from the sky. They're so caught up with fish that multiply. So Jesus says to him, I tell you the truth. Moses is not the one that gave you the bread from heaven. It's like, uh, you're going to stop trying to play games with me now. I'm going to take this all the way to the top. I mean, you got to hear Jesus' heart here. He says, now, I, I fed you guys. I preached to you. I fed you. And all you got out of, I preached to you. Listen, it said the people had been following him for so long that they had been with him all day. And that's why the apostles were like, you need to dismiss these people so they can go get themselves something to eat. So they must have been listening and following Jesus for a while. Imagine what he'd been teaching. Imagine what miracles he'd been doing. Imagine the healing. He put in all this ministry work with these people. And then he said, you know what? I'm not going to bust you up anymore by sending you off to get something to eat. What I'm going to do, is I'm going to feed you myself so that you can be at peace with being able to stay with me. And then he sends them off and tells them, go across the lake. Let me dismiss the people. And he was dismissing them and giving them final words. And his spirit saw that they didn't hear a word he said. All they thought about was the fishes and the loaves. So he dismissed them and he let them go. And then he walked on water. He got in the boat and got to the other side. Now the people get up and they go, where's this guy that fed us all that food yesterday? That's all you heard? 
that's all you got out of the situation? You say, come on, apostle, you're being judgmental. No, I'm talking to me because remember, I'm in this story. So I'm everybody in this story. I'm Jesus, I'm the disciples, I'm Peter, I'm the people that wanted the fishes and the loaves. Because in my life, I've been all them things. There's been times I've walked like Jesus. There's been times I walk like the people who only want the fishes and the loaves. There are times I walk like Peter, the disciple in conviction. And there was times that I walked like the disciples that abandoned him. So I can relate to everybody in this story. There ain't a person in this story I can't relate to at some time in my life, relatively speaking. Jesus is like, I'm done with this. <laughs> I tell you the truth. Moses is not the one that gave you the bread from heaven. It was my father who gave you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Now, they're so unspiritual and they're still listening to him in the carnal. I'm being judgmental. I've done it. I've been there. How about you? that they still caught up on physical food. So he goes, sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. So they still trying to get some food out of Jesus. He said, all right. I, oh my God, my God, my God. Can you feel it? I, I am the bread of life. Me, he who comes to me will never go hungry, ever go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty again. You know, when I do these calls, I've had people say this to me. And it's all glory to God. We're not bragging. We're pointing to a power of God. We're not pointing to a man, unless the man we're talking about is Jesus Christ. So I'm trying to, I'm not trying to impress you. I'm trying to impress upon you a point. That's how many people have said to me before, it's amazing, man. You can bring up a word every day, every day, every day. You bring up a word every day. You got a word. You got a word every day. That's amazing. Man, bro, how you do that? How you every day, every day have a word? Because I have faith in this scripture right here. I don't have a word every day. God have a word every day. So it can't be possible that there's a dry season because God said there's no dry season. So I take dry season as sin for me. Try it. It works for me. Try it. Try it that when you feel dry, you go something wrong. <laughs> something wrong. He said, you, he said, he said, he, I shouldn't be hungry. All right. I shouldn't be thirsty. Right. So, so the dry season, I'm doing something wrong. See, a lot of times we put the dry season on God. Oh, I'm just waiting on the Lord. And I think a lot of times we say we're waiting on the Lord, and God is like, no, you're not waiting on me. I'm waiting on you. And I've been waiting on you. Look at his watch. I've been waiting on you for 10 years. Don't worry, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to me. I've been waiting on you for 10 years. You haven't been waiting on me. I've been waiting on you. Remember when I told you this, 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 and you didn't listen? Right, well, that's why we're here. You told me no when I said yes. You told me yes when I said no. So that's why we're here. You're not waiting on me. I'm waiting on you. So take that on. Because remember, by your faith, so shall it be for you. So Jesus declares, I am the bread of life who comes down. Who, excuse me. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. As I told you, you have seen me and still you don't believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Now, I, that's a powerful statement. Never hungry, okay, powerful statement. If you believe in me, you also never be thirsty. Okay. The father's the one who sent me. And if you come to me, I will never drive you away. Now, does that how we hear brothers and sisters talking in the kingdom these days? Waiting on God. Waiting on the move of God. Now, sometimes we're saying that in righteousness. But I really believe sometimes we're saying that in disobedience, in rebellion. And God is like, I'm not, you're not waiting on me. That's a lie. You, I'm waiting on you. 
to get over this situation, to get over your limiting belief system, to get over your worry, to get over your concern, to let that go, to let them go, to let it go. If it comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Now, if I'm a disciple and I'm studying under a teacher and this teacher is a selfless servant of the divine most high, then as I grow closer to being like the teacher, I should be growing in my selfless service to the divine most high. That's, I mean, how do you go to a classroom to learn from a teacher who's teaching you a subject, but you're learning another subject? I think that's sometimes the problem we have in Jesus. I'll share a point with you. It's a side point. I'm going to share it really quickly because you know, we were running out of time and I don't want to miss the, 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 the heat of the moment of what God is doing right here. And I believe this is of God too, but I need you to hear it. God had revealed something to me not too long ago. He said, you have a ton, you got a lot of men's ministries, right? So what are the men's ministries doing? Oh, they're socializing and doing men's stuff and watching football games and baseball games and talking about men's stuff. And okay, right. But what's a men's ministry supposed to be doing? Oh, teaching a man how to be a priest and how to be a husband and how to be a father, how to be a provider, how to be a caretaker, how to raise their children, how to govern the church of their home. He said, we don't have many men's ministries doing that. Okay. Now, um, you got, what's a woman's ministry? Well, a woman's ministry teaches empowerment. A woman's ministry teaches um, uh, how to be self-actuating and teaching you how to know self worth. And, and he said, okay, what's a woman's ministry supposed to be teaching? Oh, we're supposed to be teaching how to be like Sarah, who considered her husband Lord and took care of her children and walked in faith and commitment. So she knew how to manage her home as the spirit of the home and knew how to raise up her children in righteousness and knew how to walk in alignment with her husband in the spirit realm so that they could be a fulfillment of the glory. How many ministries are teaching that? Not too many ministries teaching. Okay, so now um, let's talk now about children's ministry. What do they learn in children's ministry? Oh, they learn about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They read Bible stories out of children's Bible books and they you draw pictures and, and color in different things to kind of use graphics and images to learn the Bible. Uh, what's the children supposed to be doing? Uh, they're supposed to be learning how to be obedient to their parents and to respect God and to know the edicts of the nature and the character and the moral nature of God. Say, well, you don't got a lot of children's ministries then either, do you? Mm. Interesting point. Back to the word here. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. So there's no way I'm growing in the Lord, and all I'm growing is in this one isolated gift, so that I walk around with the title apostle, or I walk around with the title pastor, or I walk around with the title prophet, or I walk around with the title evangelist. But I'm not dying to myself more and more every day. I'm not becoming more and more like an ambassador who is totally disconcerned with their own self-interest. And every day I become less and less concerned with my own self-interest because I'm becoming more and more like Jesus because I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. And as a disciple, I'm called to grow in the consciousness of Christ Jesus. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given to me, but raise them up on the last day. For my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. Now after this, the Jews began to grumble about what he had said. And he said, he said, I am the bread that comes down from heaven. So they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say, I came down from heaven? Now, isn't that interesting? When he was preaching to them, he was cool. When he fed them, he was cool. But as soon as he made a demand, now they want to try to minimize who he is. So he responds, stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answers. 
None of you are going to be able to come to me unless my father draws you. Now, see, when I read that, the first thing I thought in my mind is, oh, shoot, what you got to do for God to draw you? Because if it's God's choice, how do I make sure I get on that line? You know, in the Europe, they refer to it as a queue. How do I get in that queue? <laughs> I don't want to be in the other queue where God's like, I'm not drawing you towards me. You can stay over there if you want. If you want to stay over there, you go ahead. You say, well, God don't do that. Yes, he does. He said, and God sent them a powerful delusion so they could go on to believe the lie because they loved wickedness and they loved wickedness and hated righteousness. God allowed them to receive a spirit of delusion that they might come on, they might be able to continue to go on to do that which is unprofitable in the spirit. I'm like, I don't want to be on that queue. <laughs> That's the wrong queue. What's my... How do I get on the other cue? Heart posture, brokenness, contrition, and yield it. So we're going to be on the other cue. See, yesterday's message, fire, 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 fire. You're going to make it. You're going to do it. You're going to be a great champion. Woohoo! Today, God's like, now let's get down to the business of becoming a great champion. The rah-rah sessions are off now. We did the rah-rah session. We're going to do it. Let's go. We're going to win. We're going to win. We're going to run. We're going to fight. We're going to win, 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 win. We're going to run, 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 run. How about the boys? Yeah. Everybody likes that session. But then we got to get on the field with the mud and the dirt and the opposing forces and battle and fatigue and tired and muscle aches. <laughs> Some people, they just want that locker room session. Let's get the locker room session. But you see, from the locker room comes game time. And so here's God going, now let's get down to the brass tacks and making it happen. You're done. It's done already. It's already been established. You've already won. You are already a champion. Say goodbye to failure. Say goodbye to the past. Say goodbye to the mistakes. Say goodbye to the limiting belief system. That's it. Say goodbye to the devil. Say goodbye to that other level of glory. Onward. Onward. To another level of glory. Another level of glory. We don't stop. We don't die. We multiply. We want to be on that cue where the heart posture is that God is drawing us to him. Verse 45, it is written in the prophets, they will be taught by God. God wants to teach you himself. You want to go to three services and out. <laughs> I'm going to do my homage to God, show my respects, right? That's how we were taught. Go to church, show your respects and live clean. That's, that's, that's what we were taught. Come on, let's be honest. Go to church, give him honor, give him praise, and live clean. Really? That's all you expect from God? If I give him, if I go to church and give him respect, give him homage, and live clean, then I get to go to heaven. God, God, God's like, that's all you thought about what I said? I preached you for hours and hours and years and years and fed you and took care of you and all, that's all you heard? No, I'm here to make you a great nation. I'm here to make you great. I'm gonna make you great on your job. I'm gonna make you great in your community. I'm gonna make you great in society. I'm gonna make you great in your family. I'm gonna make you great in your person. I'm here to make you great. You represent me. You are my ambassador. You carry my name. I don't make junk. I don't fail. I don't fall back. I don't make mistakes. You are called to represent me. So it is. I am determined to manifest all my glory through you. But I can't because you just want to do three services now and live clean. So I'm trying to make a great nation out of you, but you claim you're waiting on me and I'm waiting on your heart posture. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by, do you know what it is to be taught by God? How are you taught by God and you're not ascending? 
How are you taught by God and you're not excelling? How are you taught by God and you stuck in the same circle going around and around and around and around like you're on some kind of track? You're driving, but you haven't left the stadium. This ain't that kind of race. Everyone who listens, see, that's the thing. You could be taught by God, but are you listening? Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. You know, there's a song, there's a movie called Remember the Titans, and there's a part where uh, Denzel Washington is laying on the ground. He's got one of his defensive ends, and he's doing push-ups. And as the defensive ends doing push-ups, he's saying to him, fourth quarter. Fourth quarter, fourth quarter, fourth quarter. He's trying to make an association between the drive of this young man's physical ability against his need to be able to perform because the game is almost over. We're in the fourth quarter, fourth quarter, fourth quarter, fourth quarter, fourth quarter, fourth quarter, fourth quarter. Like, I need you to have the same energy you had in the first quarter in the fourth quarter. This is the fourth quarter, but I need you to play like it's the first quarter. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth. He who believes has everlasting life. I, talking Jesus now, Jesus talking now, he talking. I am the bread of life. Now your forefathers did eat manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is a bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and he will not die. I am the living bread. Jesus is talking now that came down from heaven. And if anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Now the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat my flesh, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, I and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Now your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Now, we know that many disciples deserted him after that because they couldn't understand. The teaching was too hard. Now, I want you to understand something about hard teaching. I'm going to share something with you about hard teaching. We're too smart, right, to leave Jesus over some hard teaching. But how about you're in a ministry and the ministry is on a progressive track. And as soon as the ministry hits a certain level of progression, you bounce, you just like these people that the disciples. I mean, can you imagine being a disciple of Jesus Christ? You seeing him personally, you looking at him while he's physically doing all these miracles, you following him. And then he says something you don't understand. And instead of going, you know what? All this other stuff was good, but this one thing here I don't understand. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get him alone. I'm going to ask him, what is this thing about us eating him? I mean, isn't that cannibalism? We're not supposed to be eating. We're not supposed to be drinking blood. I mean, we're Jews. We're not supposed to drink. But the Bible said don't drink blood. Come on, Lord. What, what, what? You're confusing me. No, they just left. How many of you have been in a ministry and the ministry's on a track and it started out good because they kind of love bombed you, okay? Because like a lot of churches, that's the, the evangelical plan. They love bomb you. They make the world think, they make you think that you're the center of the world. And then when you join their church, then they just sort of stick you in the pocket and, make, and tell you to function with the rest. But if they got you in on selfishness, I don't know how they expected to get you selfless. And so a lot of us, once the love bombing ends, okay, and then all of a sudden expectations arise, okay, and then things happen that we don't understand, okay, we bounce. That's the same as these guys. 
See, the thing is, there's all different kinds of churches, so we can bounce over here and bounce, bounce to over there, and it doesn't look like we bounced because we just changed churches. <laughs> now, mind you, some of these churches, I, I, listen, I got to talk to you for real. I don't know any other way to talk to you. Some of these churches are trifling, so I'm not telling you you need to stay in a church that you find to be trifling and you feel like God has called you out of it to go someplace else, to go onward to maturity. That is not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is when we decide to leave because we got uncomfortable because something's happening that breaks our little comfort zone, the little box that we want to live in. And this ministry is now trying to take you out of the box and you don't want to come out of the box so you find a way to walk away. you just like the disciples that walked away from Jesus Christ. It's just because the churches, there's so many churches claiming to be Christ, you just find one that's at a relatively lower place in the ascension that God might have you. You're in a disobedience, but it's a real smooth kind of disobedience. And so... We're trying to get you out of the stuck place. We're not trying to hurt your feelings. We're not trying to kick up the spirit of offense. We're not trying to jack you up. <laughs> okay. We love you. And we're trying to get you past the stuck place. And we're talking about all the different ways you can get caught up in the stuck place. So that you can get past the stuck place. Because when you start getting frustrated at the stuck place, you are in a dangerous place. Because the stuck place first becomes a kind of okay, I can survive it, and then it eventually becomes a grief, then it eventually becomes a trauma, and then it eventually becomes quote-unquote church hurt, and then it ain't too far away from you bouncing. I'll never bounce. Yeah, I heard you. But if you stay still, this is a backward-moving sidewalk. If you stay still, you go backwards. So if you're not advancing, then you're going backwards. The sinful nature is corrosive. It will always degrade you. If you're not overcoming it, it's overcoming you. You pour lye or acid on something and you don't clean it off, it will eat its way through. Sinful nature is like acid to the soul. You got to wash every day. He said, if you don't wash every day, pick up your cross every day, you can't be my disciple. You will be corroded by that element that lives in you and the false nature that Satan birthed in you, that carnal nature. But we have better things in store for you because God knows your heart and God knows where you want to go. And God knows when this is why God has put you in a place to learn and to grow in the spirit so that you can break past the stuck place and move onward to the full glory that Christ has for you. Let us pray. Father, Lord, in the name of your son, Christ Jesus, we thank you for this word. We thank you for your special name among men. We pray your glory and your majesty and your grace be upon the souls of the saints, my God. And we pray, Father God, that we are able to do the work that you've assigned us to do. May we not fall into a commonality, but move on to the full glory. Until the fullness of Christ is achieved in our life, may we continue to press on. In Jesus' name we pray. And the people of God say, Amen. 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 Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God, saints. Have a great morning. You all too. You likewise. likewise.